0: Otis goes to court, Shorty G makes a change, and Roman ups the stakes of his Hell in a Cell match in this week's episode of Friday Night SmackDown. So I'm not going to lie, this was an all right episode of SmackDown. It was right down the middle um yeah the uh, head of hell in a cell i guess that's what you want to do just have it right in the middle make people really want to tune in this sunday because you don't want to you don't want to give everybody everything in this episode because then they won't tune in this sunday um so the show starts with the kevin owen show with daniel bryan and this segment was Very weird and very unfocused, because it starts with Daniel talking about SmackDown and how he wants it to feature hot, young, new talent. He wants the Intercontinental title to be defended every week. But then Kevin starts talking about wanting to be the tag team champions with Daniel for some reason. So I'm thinking maybe down the road, Kevin turns on Daniel aligns with Sammy, because there was definitely a I'm-gonna-turn-heel vibe coming off of Kevin. But then Ziggler and Rude interrupt the whole time Kevin's just going, why? And the best part of this segment, surprisingly enough, was Dolph Ziggler because all he was doing was name dropping Van Halen songs. So that was great. Then Street Profits interrupt, and then they say, you two look like you came out in 1984. And then Ziggler just goes, greatest album of all time, baby! And then falls to his knees. Ziggler was phenomenal. Uh, Then Shinsuke and Cesaro come out. It's basically a challenger parade. It is a, here's all our tag teams, they're all coming out. And then it sets up a match after a brawl happens. And the match is Kevin, Daniel, and the Prophets versus The Artists, Ziggler, and Rude. And I just... Why? Why would you do that? Because, like, for me, I'm sitting here going, okay, this would be a nice way to set up a number one contender to face off against The Street Profits. So have Kevin and Daniel versus Ziggler and Rude versus The Artists, and then whoever wins faces them at Hell in a Cell, because we only have, like, after this show, I think there were only, like, six... Matches announced. Like I think there are only like six matches right now for Hell in a Cell, so that's kind of buck wild. And and this match was, it was something. It was a four-on-four match. It was a heel versus babyface match. Um, The only good part is daniel like got injured he did his back flip out of the corner and hurt his knee and that at least gave the match a story it felt less like the big spot fest that these can kind of turn into and more of a oh no how's daniel gonna get out of this this is his first match back is this gonna be good um but I, I thought it was a fun variation but it was still it did what it was supposed to do it was a fun opener but not much else uh then we go backstage for law and otis Dun, dun. And it was weird because they were parodying, they were parodying the People's Court, but they were using law and order sound effects, so that was very confusing. Also, Ron Simmons is the bailiff, and JBL is the judge, and it was a little bit buck wild. Miz gets up, cuts a fake. Prom, like a fake fake good guy promo about like otis oh, is a bad person and then it goes to otis and for me i was getting flashbacks to the chris jericho orange cassidy debate and that's kind of what i was hoping for out of otis was like something showing oh otis is smart oh otis does deserve this briefcase instead otis just looked up and said i won the match i need to have the briefcase and i'm sitting here like bud no otis looked the worst coming out of all there were three of these segments and otis looked the worst in all of them so yeah that was the first of many that happened we then get a bianca promo and then we cut to backstage the street profits and kevin and daniel are celebrating during which daniel does tell the street profits fist me boys because he wanted a fist bump and so then kevin and the street profits go off to celebrate Daniel turns around into Sammy Zayn, and I'm now excited for this because Sammy looks at him and he goes, "Look, I heard what you said earlier. You think I'm not doing my job right? But I'm the Intercontinental Champion. I beat you at WrestleMania, and you're stepping in my business. Basically, I'm not going. I'm the one who decides when this title is defended. Get out of my way." And it was a really fun little moment. It was a real fun moment to set up a Daniel. I love like they've set up so many rivalries. They've set up. Daniel versus Sammy. Uh Daniel versus Seth. Like they've got so much potential coming out of all the different Daniel storylines. Uh up next, Bianca makes her debut on SmackDown in a match against Zelina Vega. And I love this because it's finally giving her revenge for Zelina poisoning Montez so many months back. The problem is. That didn't read in how they... Like, they talked about it on commentary a little bit, but for the most part, it felt like a generic squash. I didn't get a lot of character out of Bianca outside of just, like, being an egotistical athlete. And I'm like, you're supposed to be the baby face, so this doesn't... It, di- it just didn't work for me. I wanted more viciousness out of bianca but it still it showed us who bianca is it did what it was supposed to do i just wanted more that's kind of the gist of this whole smackdown is they did what they had to do but that was it they didn't try to do anything beyond that then we get a promo for lars unfortunately and we come back from commercial break shorty g is in the ring And he has to fight Lars because he's like, I didn't get drafted to either brand. And I'm going to prove that was a mistake by taking out the big guy. And then he gets promptly murdered by Lars. There was like a little bit of a nice moment where he had a really good comeback. But then, of course, Lars just gets pissed off, hits the freak accident, which is a terrible fit. It's like a shitty rock bottom. Hits that one, two, three. And then that was it. And I was upset. But then the story continued because Chad grabbed the microphone and said, I quit. And I just sat there like, didn't we just fucking do this on NXT? Didn't we just do this with Austin Theory? But I liked it. It was a little bit something different. So that was really, really good. And obviously there's more to come on that when we come back from commercial. But before that, we have a promo from Seth. And it's just a good fucking Seth promo. He says that tonight he wants to put Murphy in his place. Uh, I loved how the interviewer referred to what they what the Mysterio family did last week to Seth as fun. And Seth was freaked out. He's like, you called that fun? You called beating me down fun? Really? Like, and I was like, oh, that's actually a good point. Don't say it's fun to beat down the person you're interviewing. So we come back from commercial. Shorty G is backstage with Adam Pearce, who checks on him and says, Did I hear you correctly? Did you say I quit? And when he first said it, I said, Oh, fuck yeah, we're going to get Chad Gable in NXT. I just want Chad Gable in NXT. But instead he goes, Yes, I quit being Shorty G. I'm done with this stupid gimmick. I'm done with believing that I can get it done like this. But there is one person who can get it done, and it's Chad gable so now shorty g is dead long live chad gable it made me really happy also i realized how much they dropped the ball by not making Chad Kurt Angle's son. Like, go listen to Adam Blompier's fantasy booking of that because it's very good. Because they're exactly the same. Like, they both have the same cadence. They're both Olympians. Like, I just, I, ugh. Chad Gable's really good. And I'm excited to see that he's back and I don't have to call him Shorty G anymore. So then we get a promo from Bailey where she says, I'm not signing the contract because. Sasha doesn't deserve this. Which was a nice, heelish way of trying to get out of the match. But then, Sasha comes out, looking like an early 2000s rapper. It was, it, yeah, it did things. It was good. And then, Beat the living shit out of Bailey. Hit a running knee. Bailey got in a little bit of offense, but then Sasha put her, wrapped the chair around her neck, much like Bailey did to her, and threatened to stomp on it and break her neck if she doesn't sign it. Bailey still refuses. Sasha turns around into a chokehold in the chair, and then Bailey finally frantically signs the contract to save her own skin. I kind of would have preferred Sasha doing the bank statement and forcing her hand to uh, like grabbing her hand and signing with it like I think I talked about that last week but it was still good like they've really upped their game the past two weeks in this rivalry and that makes me really really happy so now we officially have Sasha versus Bailey at Hell in a Cell uh this was gr- a really good segment it showed a lot of furiousness out of sasha i'm excited to see what these two can do when they do get inside hell in a cell i want to these two i'm scared because i know how hard in the paint they go and i'm like they may kill each other (laughs) like we may see a death so then we get the next segment of Law and Otis, during which we get to hear from all of the uh, witnesses. So the first one there is John Morrison, who just has this big, cheesy, over-the-top acting of, Otis ruined our lives. Ot- Otis is terrible. But then Rey Mysterio is there, and he says, hey, I was in the match, and I it. only one man watched it, walked out. It was Otis. He deserves to hold the briefcase, which was good. I do kind of wish he was like, hey... Could we talk about the fact that I was thrown off the top of a building? Because I feel like I should have went to court for that. Then Asuka is there and she was the highlight of the segment because she's just screaming in Japanese. JBL doesn't know what's going on. And then they turn to the transcriptor and it's Teddy fucking log, which prompts Asuka to go, holla, holla, holla. And I died. It was very good then uh, Tucker is there, and Tucker, of course, has a very genuinely emotional promo about how dare Ms do all the things that he's done. It was really nice, like uh, I think on Monday, I talked about the fact that he has a very intelligent way of speaking that doesn't always translate to promos, but it does work really ha- well here in a courtroom setting. This is probably the best I've seen Tucker do in a while, and it's because like it fit. He sounded like a witness, but also he still was able to look at Miz and say shit like "I want to kick your ass." It was very good. I liked it. Uh, JBL ends the segment and basically says, "I will be making my verdict after a short recess." And honestly, I, I applaud SmackDown for trying this because I, I feel like it would be hypocritical if, after me freaking about freaking out about how great La Dinner Debonair is and how willing to take risks AEW is, that I wouldn't bring up that it is a risky move to. Put law and order in your wrestling show, but it was good. Then we come back from commercial break. He looks at The Miz and John Morrison and says, You accused Otis of causing an unsafe workplace environment and hurting you. And that's just part of his job description as a WWE superstar. He's about to reward the briefcase to Otis, but then The Miz bribes him because that's what The Miz does. He gives him a briefcase full of money, but. Instead of just outright giving The Miz the briefcase, he makes a match for Hell in a Cell. Otis versus Miz. Uh, I'm pretty excited about this. I talked to the Fight Boys, and uh, if you're following our prediction series, we all basically said The Miz is going to get it. Because that's just fun. I'd rather see Miz like beat, beat up Randy Orton or somebody win the championship than Otis. I love Otis, but even still. Then we get a recap of Murphy and Rollins, uh, which I know I've talked shit on recaps in the past, but I like it here because there are some people who only watch SmackDown. There are some people who only watch Raw. So right now it is important to give a back, back, background on what happened on Raw if you don't watch that, if you only watch SmackDown, because I would not uh, fault anybody for not watching Raw. <laughs> so then we get Murphy versus Rollins, which, what the fuck, why is this not at the pay-per-view? Why would you do this tonight? Make this at the pay-per-view. You don't have any matches. And it was a match, like, I... For this kind of blow-off, I expected a whole lot more out of them, and it was like a three-segment thing. Like, there were entrances and a little bit of match, match, and then match, and then the end end story. And yeah, it was just, I don't know, the opening, they were just trying to show viciousness through collar and elbow tie-ups. It was pretty timid, surprisingly enough, given the fact that Murphy has just wanted to get his hands on Rollins and wanting to beat him down, and yet there were tons of headlocks and tons of generic wrestling and yeah uh eventually murphy does start to get a little bit of fire under him seth goes for the stomp murphy reverses murphy gets him in the corner then by the skin of his teeth seth manages to hit the stomp the one two three then goes to the outside oh also by the way the whole match alia watching backstage and the mysterio family is walking up to her like why are you doing this they're continuing that weird bullshit storyline Post-match, Seth grabs a kendo stick, goes to attack Murphy, and backstage, Aaliyah looks at her brother and father and says, you need to go save him, and then they say, "No, no, that's not our business, and then she goes, if you won't, I will, so Aaliyah goes out to the ring um saves uh, murphy from a vicious beatdown from a kendo stick dominic comes out and basically tries to pry aliyah away because the apparently the mysterio family can have no character evolution during this they're just always going to be like no get away and then from behind seth attacks dominic puts him down and yeah din ray comes out chases seth off i don't fucking know it's almost over i'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel so we get a recap of roman beating down stroman last week and then we get the tribal consequences segment where roman is going to say what are the big consequences that he's been talking about when it comes to his match against jay in the hell in a cell and yeah i was excited for this because, like, firstly, I love the fact that Paul doesn't always talk. Like, this week, Paul literally just looked at Roman, and Roman said, give me the microphone. And Paul didn't even, ladies and gentlemen, none of that. Just handed the phone to Roman, and then cut to backstage, and Jay Uso, allegedly, is sitting at the head of Roman's table. He's talking about all of his food, he's talking about all of his grandioseness, and he's wearing a mask and a cap, during which I said that's fucking jimmy and it was it was jimmy under a mask and he was like uh he he said hey why don't you ask my brother jay because he's right behind you so he turns around and jay absolutely beats the living hell out of roman uh i I can't remember if he actually did deliver the splash i think he actually did like he really wrecked him but then after the match jimmy comes out and they kind of celebrate and they're jumping up and down acting like it's a I think like this is a normal rivalry like not it's extremely deep and family oriented like it was really silly like not I mean the beatdown was vicious but post match they were just like yeah we did it and it was like seeing them as kids you know it is like seeing them as little kids like we finally beat you up Roman we did it. And then Roman grabs the mic, and I I guess this was all planned, because they're acting silly, and Roman grabs the mic and is like, oh, okay, this is fun and games for y'all. You think this is a joke? And I went, oh, okay, that's why this happened. Like, there were some decisions made during the show, but then they explained them, and this was the nice explanation, is Roman saying, okay, you can play your fun and games, but this Sunday, hey, you got an opportunity, if you can make me quit... I lose my championship. I am no longer the man at the head of the table. I'm no longer the person who can provide for our family. Which also shows like, hey, this is the danger of what happens if you win. I'm not going to be able to provide for us anymore. I'm not going to be able to get us at the head of the table. I'm not going to be able to do all of this. It was really, really good. Then he says, but if you lose, you either fall in line and accept me as your tribal chief. Or you are out of the family you your brother jimmy cuz you brought him into this your wives your daughters you're out of the family and it was very intense like it was but what's bad is it's something we already knew like at least in my head like the moment he said there will be consequences i said oh okay he's going to kick him out of the family and now this is the moment the shocking moment where he reveals it and then the cell comes down Roman stands in the middle of it like a proud tribal chief. Jay comes down, climbs the cell, basically saying it's gonna get intense this Sunday. Um, it was good. This is probably the weakest Roman Jay segment that there's been so far because I wanted more intensity out of Jay and less like Jay and Jimmy pulling a fun prank on Roman. because uh, yeah, it's not like we knew what was gonna happen with Roman. So I I guess in a way, I do like that the beatdown happened, but like... I don't know. It it was a weak segment, in my opinion, but it did what it was supposed to do. The credo of this week's episode of SmackDown. So yeah, do you, uh, I? I think it was like I said, an average, three out of five, middle of the road SmackDown. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Let me know on my personal Twitter account at ScottyMo S C O T T Y E M O. And of course, if you want to check out all our other podcasts, including this week's episode of Fight Boys, you can find them at a load of pure And as always, remember to follow us. On Twitter at Fight Boy Show, because when you're a Fight Boy, you're a Fight Boy for Light!